If you have your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 8 and stick your finger there. Because I want to kind of review. I'm not going to get anywhere close to finishing what I have this morning. And so I want you to, to know that I'm aware of that. And so I won't go until 3 o'clock this afternoon. I promise. We've been talking about healing from the standpoint of what is a biblical basis for our understanding of healing. Uh, let me say this. We don't guarantee anything. There is a mystery when it comes to healing of what God does, but we're obviously seeing God touch people. And so we're not trying to have all the answers. We're not trying to say, hey, we've got it all figured out. We're just trying to say, okay, what does the Bible say? We start off, God's revealed himself as a healer. That's who he, who he is, which is wonderful. Now, there's a whole lot of ramifications from that, which we won't go into today, but one of the ramifications, if he's the healer, then he's not the author of sickness. Okay? He doesn't make us sick just so that he can heal us. Okay? So if, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying hard not to get sidetracked. Healing confirms that God is real. Confirms the message of the gospel we talked about last week, a number of different things. But let me say this, kind of as background, one of the things we see biblically, and we've taught on a number of months ago, but some of you might not have been here, and that is that the Bible make it, makes it very clear that we're a kingdom of priests. We're all ministers. And so our whole approach to this is not to just create an environment where when we get together, something can happen. Our approach is that we're being equipped to do the work of the ministry and see the kingdom advanced. Everyone gets to do that. Ephesians 4 talks about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so that's what we're trying to do. Uh, what that means is that we're not observers, we're ministers. Okay, in this church, our goal is that everyone ministers. What does that mean? What is the work of the ministry for all the saints? I'm going to give you real quickly four things. I could preach for an hour on each one of these. I won't because I'm not going to get through anything. Four things just for, for reminder if you're not aware of. The work of the ministry of all the saints, that means every one of us. The first thing is witness. We get to preach the gospel. We get to baptize those who believe. We get to disciple. That was Jesus' mandate. And so that's part of the work of ministry of all the saints. It's not just evangelists that get to share the good news of, of Jesus with people. Evangelists are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Witness, warfare. Every one of us is a warrior. Warfare is prayer, deliverance. It's destroying the works of the enemy in every way. Again, that's not for a few people. That's part of the ministry that we all get to do. Worship. Worship is one of those things that is so much more than just singing a few songs. Worship is an attitude of surrender to God. It's a lifestyle of surrender to Him, but it also in, involves all the manifestations of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is seen or known. And we get to do that. And then work. Ooh, work. Boo! You know, there's 40 one another's in the Bible. In the New Testament, pray for one another, love one another, 
care for one another, bear one another's burdens, instruct one another. There's 40 of those. You don't have to feel some anointing to do that. You just have to do it. Right? Greet one another. I just want to know if, uh, if Brian could kiss now. Cindy? <laughs> So being a kingdom of priests means that there's no con Christian consumerism. You know what Christian consumerism is? It's kind of the idea that you come to a meeting to just watch and hopefully they have everything that you want. And there's this idea that permeates much of Christianity that we go find the programs that minister to our needs. People want to enjoy what's happening, but they don't want to contribute. And I'm not talking about contributing financially. I'm talking about being a part, about caring for one another, sharing one another. They want to come and just somebody minister to me. I find it interesting that Christian consumers still feel like they have the right to criticize. Uh-oh. Part of being a kingdom of priests is this, that we're part of the solution and not part of the problem. Okay? There are problems in the church. We're not here to try and just identify the problem. We're try here to try and be part of the solution. One of my favorite quotes, a uh, old American president, Teddy Roosevelt, way back in 1910, said, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. There's a whole lot of critics in our culture. Let's not be those. Yeah, maybe somebody could, maybe I could preach better. Okay? When you have the opportunity to preach, you get to be part of the solution. Maybe somebody could share the gospel better. Give it a shot. Go share the gospel. And then see. Okay, there's, there's no place for criticism. There's actually a place for doing. And so let's get on to the doing. So, we've been talking about healing. Today I want to get into ingredients for healing. Ingredients, kind of like a ingredients for a recipe. There's no formula. But there are ingredients. I'm going to give you five. I'm not going to get through them all today. So I'm going to tell you what they are up front. And then we'll get to the rest of them later on. They are the presence of God. They are humility. Faith. Thanksgiving. And perseverance. Those are the ingredients. You can't make a cake with just flour. Right? You can. you can, but it would suck, <laughs> as Tim says. <laughs> okay, you need other stuff. And too often we try and reduce what the Bible says to our favorite part and say, it's all about this. Well, that is part of it. It is about faith. We're going to talk about that. But it's not just about faith. It is about the presence of God, but it's not just about the presence of God. It's about all these together. 
So we're going to start with the presence of God. Now, I hope that this is self-explanatory, and I don't have to go into very deep. But if Jesus is the healer, then Jesus' presence is an essential part of that, right? Duh. Matthew chapter 8, where you've been holding your finger and it's gone to sleep. Verse 15 says, so he touched her hand and the fever left her, and she rose and served them. Matthew 9, from verse 18, says, and while he spoke these things to them, behold, the ruler of the came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her and she will live. It goes on to verse uh, 21, uh, 20, the story of the woman who touches the hem of his garment. And she says, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. There's something about coming into contact with Jesus, which was the issue. It's not touching, it wasn't his garment. It was coming into contact. It was coming into his presence. Uh, 27, when Jesus departed from there, two uh, blind men came and said, uh, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when they come into the house, the blind men came and uh, Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes. If you circle the number of times that Jesus actually touched people, there was something of contact. There's a whole lot of these. I'm just, for the sake of time, jumping through just a few. Chapter 12, verse 22. I'm in Matthew. says, and one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed them. And he healed him so that the blind and the mute both spoke and saw. Interesting that he was actually brought to Jesus. You still with me? There's a whole lot of those. But the key is that where Jesus is, there's healing. Right? Where is Jesus? Jesus is in the midst of his people when we gather. Right? Jesus is in the preaching of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is about the king. But Jesus is also in you. And so you can actually bring the presence of God. We need to learn to be aware of when God is present. You know, he's, he's with us all the time. He's present. But we also know that there's times when he manifests his presence. There's times when you just know, Steve Brown was telling us uh, the other day at our Connect group that he was at a concert and the gal who was singing, uh, wasn't a Christian concert, but she said she was gonna sing a gospel song and she sang Amazing Grace and he said he's just, the, the presence of God just washed over him. He knew in that instant. How many of you have ever experienced that? Where there's something that happens and you just know, ah, God's here. It's not just inspiration. It's actual the presence of God. The anointing of God. So we need to realize that the presence of God is one of the ingredients, but it's not the only ingredient. Sometimes God can manifest himself in a meeting and some people are just totally overwhelmed and some people are, duh. <laughs> Nothing's happening.
I hope that's not you. <laughs> but you know, that happens. People experience those things. They can experience the presence of God, and then sometimes others just, it goes right by. So it's more than just the presence of God. There's some other ingredients. Second one I want to give you is humility. Humility. See, humility releases grace. James 4, 6 says, God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There's something about an attitude of humility that releases the grace of God. It opens up a door for God to do something. Now what does that mean when it comes to healing? It means for us who need healing, it's saying, I need help. It's turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're a healer. I need help. Will you help me? There's a humility. See, pride says, no, I don't need help. I'm fine. Pride says, ah, oh, no, no, I can handle it on my own. How many of us guys do that? Yeah. No, no, I'll get better. Sometimes humility just says, hey, I need help. As an aside, you know why Jesus came and was born in a manger? Not just because he came to reach the poor and the downtrodden, but because in humbling himself, grace was released into the planet. It's much bigger than he came just for the poor. He came for everyone, but, but by humbling himself, because humility unlocks grace. That's an aside. I'm, I, I'm not going to get sidetracked today. <laughs> But not only is humility necessary on the part of the person who needs healing, but on the part of the person that God uses to minister, humility is an essential part if we're going to continue to be used because only Jesus gets the credit and the glory. See, as soon as we step over the line and say, it was my prayers that did it. It was my faith that did it. And we get, even though we say Jesus, we get a little bit of the credit in there somehow. We're seeing the beginning of the end. Let me say this. I'm not special, therefore God uses me. He's special because he can use me. The fact that God uses us if you pray for someone and he touches them, doesn't mean you're special. It means he's special. Right? Yet, for too long, some of the church has been taught that if God uses you, it must be because you're special, because you got more faith, or you're holy, or you're righteous, or you're, or you're better than other people. Just the opposite. Acts chapter 3. Verse 1, Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily in the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, 
to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at me. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I, I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth rise and walk. And he took him by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He leapt up, stood, and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, for they knew that he was the one who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man was healed, who was healed, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? It's a good question. Why do we marvel when God does something supernatural? It's an indication that he's real. Why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? I want to encourage you. If you're going to continue to be used by God, that needs to be your heart attitude. Don't look at me, look at Jesus. It's not my ministry, it's not my name, it's not anything about me, it's who Jesus is. Bottom line is he doesn't need special people. He just needs available people. Have you ever felt like, oh, I'm not special enough? Let me set you free today. You're not special enough. <laughs> You're special to God. He loves you. But that doesn't mean, that's not the reason why he can use you. He can use you because he's special. Okay, I'm out of time almost, but I want to jump into faith. Other ingredient is faith. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse 43. Now this is story of the woman who uh, touched his garment. It says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment. Still the contact with Jesus. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? Obviously she touched him differently. Now, she didn't actually touch him. She touched the edge of his garment. Said, all these people are pressing in. And Jesus said, somebody touch me. For I perceived power going out from me. And when the woman saw she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the reason she had touched him. And she was healed immediately. He said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, why was she hiding? Because she had an issue of blood, and in Jewish culture, that made her unclean. 
and by touching Jesus, she made him unclean. So there was a law against it, but in spite of that, in spite of the crowd, she fought through because she knew if I can only connect with Jesus, something could happen. And she did, and Jesus felt power come out of him. Now he says something interesting. He says, your faith has made you well. And there's been a lot of misunderstanding about this. And I want to see if I can correct that a little bit briefly this morning. Faith is not power. The power was in Jesus. Right? He said he felt power going out of him. So it wasn't her faith that was a power. Let me say this, faith doesn't heal, but it's an ingredient in releasing the healing power of God. But it says, your faith has made you well. I'm gonna get to that in just a second. Second thing faith isn't, faith isn't money. A lot of people have this idea of faith as money. A little bit of faith, I can buy a little bit of healing. More faith, I can buy more healing. And we think that it's based on how much we have. Some of you are looking at me strange because you've heard that. Little faith, little healing. I'm gonna read you a quote from Randy Clark that I love. Someone came to him once and said, I've got cancer. Do you have enough faith to pray for it? His response was, I can't heal your cancer. I can't heal a toothache. I can't heal a headache. I don't have enough faith in me to heal anything. But the same God who heals a toothache and a headache is the same God who heals cancer. My faith is not in me. My faith rests in God alone. He's the only one who can heal somebody. What's he saying? And here's the answer. Faith is, has a focus. It has a focus in somebody or something. If Tim tells me he's gonna do something, because of my relationship with him, I have confidence that he'll do it. My faith is in Tim. So the more I know Jesus, the greater my faith is in him. So the goal isn't how do I have more faith, the goal is how do I get to know Jesus better? His disciples once said to him, Lord, increase our faith. You know what he said to them? He actually said, just obey. He actually made this deal, this uh, story. He said, a guy goes and works in the vineyard and he comes in and his master doesn't tell him to sit while he feeds him. He says, get my food for me. And when he's done, He just says, you've done what you've been asked. Now that was Jesus' answer to them saying, increase our faith. What was he saying? You have enough faith to obey. You want to increase your faith, get to know Jesus more. 
when you understand that he's a healer, when you understand that he's in covenant with us, when you understand his love for people, something rises up within us and we say, I have confidence in him to do what he says. My confidence isn't in me in spite of uh, the sound of music. Have confidence in confidence alone. Besides that, you see, I have confidence in me. (laughs) Okay, that's as close to uh, singing musical as I'll ever get. Let me ask you. If our confidence is in Jesus, then it's his faithfulness that's on the line. See, faith is actually a relational term. Faith grows as your relationship grows. The more I know Tim, the more I see his faithfulness, which is a wonderful term, the more I have confidence that if he says something, he'll do it. Yeah, but there's people, they tell you they'll do something and there's always an excuse. Something happens, and it might be legitimate, but it seems like that always happens and you don't have any confidence that when they say they're gonna do something that they'll actually do it. So in reality, you don't have much faith in them. You still with me? Hebrews 12.2 says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. John 3, 14 and 15, if we were to take the whole time to look at it, it talks about uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, what did they do? They actually had been bitten, they were dying, and they had to look to that. They didn't have to to do anything. It wasn't based on their actions. It wasn't based on what they did. They had to look to that. So faith is a focus. It's a believing what God is saying. Now I want to set you free this morning. You have enough faith to obey. See, so much of the church has been handicapped by this idea that I only have enough faith for headaches. That someone comes with cancer and says, well, I don't have faith for that. You know, it's not your faith that heals. It's Jesus that heals. Now, Jesus says, but your faith has healed you. Let me give you an illustration. This uh, room has been wired for electricity, right? You know that. And if I could reach one of the light sockets and plug a light in, we might get electricity. But even though there's rooms wired, if I just hold the bulb here, we don't get any light, do we? Unless I'm from Adam's family. (laughs) Those of you who are old understand that one. Okay, but... If I could plug the light in, the bulb in, and then if I turned on the switch, voila, light. So in essence, you could say, 
I turned on the light. Right? You could say, rust produced light. No. Rust connected the bulb to the source and then turned on the switch. What am I saying? Faith is the switch. When Jesus says your faith has healed you, he's not saying faith is the power or faith is the source. He's saying faith is the switch. The power came out of him. He was the healer. But faith is one of the ingredients. You still with me? Faith in Jesus causes us to connect to him and expect him to move because of who he is. I'm out of time. Perseverance, you don't give up. I was taught years ago that if you pray more than once, you don't have faith. But the reality is that Jesus prayed more than once. He prays for a guy and who's blind and he says, how do you see? And he says, I see people like trees walking, so he prays again. There's something about persistence and perseverance. Let me say this. If I turn on the switch and the lights don't come on, I don't say, see, electricity doesn't work. What do I do? I start trying to find some understanding. Why do the lights not come on? Huh? We get Tib. I go out and see if the circuit breaker has been blown for some reason. Or I try another light bulb, or I see, did the power go off in my neighborhood? I look for understanding. Sometimes when we pray for healing and it doesn't happen right away, we need to actually say, Holy Spirit, is there something else going on here? Is there some other understanding that we need? Sometimes physical healing isn't the issue. The issue is actually emotional or spiritual or something else that God wants to deal with because he can bring healing, but healing might only be the fruit and not the root. You know what I mean by that? We have a lemon tree in our yard. It has a zillion lemons. And I can go out and pull all the lemons off, and you know what, next year it's gonna have a zillion lemons. Too often we approach things from what we see, but we don't allow the Holy Spirit to, to give us understanding of what's really happening. And so we're trying to take care of the issues, the, the, the problem that we see, which is just the fruit, and we never address the root. Now, in deliverance, that applies as well. Jesus talks about casting a demon out, and it comes back, and it finds a place swept and set in order, and it brings more. What happens? We have authority to cast out a demon, but if we don't close the door that was open, the demons just come back. We haven't dealt with the root. We've pulled off the fruit, 
And we find out six months later, people are just as demonized. Fully word, fully spirit. We want to do both. Healing is not just a simple, it's this ingredient. Sometimes it's a matter of we just keep praying. Sometimes it's a matter of saying, Holy Spirit, what's happening here? Maybe there's some demonic activity. Maybe there's some emotional problem. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. I'm not saying that, that all that, that physical healing is always associated with those, but sometimes they are. We just have to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? So persistence, perseverance. We just keep praying rather than saying, I prayed once, God didn't heal. No, he's a healer. We say, okay, God, what's happening here? Is the, the light bulb out? Is the circuit breaker blown? Is there something else behind this? Mary's dad was a uh, part of a Presbyterian church and was filled with the Spirit during the whole spiritual, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic movement in the uh, charismatic communion in the Presbyterian church and began to see something about healing and would pray for people for healing. He was sick most of his life, but God still used him to touch people. But he and a small group went and prayed for a young man every week who had epilepsy. Seven-year-old, not young man, child. Every week for months. And after about, what, six months? Six months, the guy was healed. What would have happened if you prayed once and say, ah, see, God doesn't heal epilepsy. No. Persistence is one of the ingredients. Out of time, sorry. We're not, I'll tell you the other one later, Thanksgiving. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. Bow your head if you would. <coughs> sorry, we've gone a little bit longer. Oh, we actually haven't gotten that long yet. It was all those testimonies. <laughs> it wasn't the preacher's fault. There's something of a moving of the spirit in Australia that God's doing in drawing people to himself and confirming with signs and wonders and every single one of us gets to be part of that. Don't allow someone to rub out or erase the fact that God has chosen you to be a part of what he's doing. That word earlier was for some people, but it's for all of us. God's purposes aren't erased. But for many of us, unfortunately, we've been taught that all we get to do is come and watch. But that we actually get to do all the work of the ministry in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And part of that is preaching the gospel with signs and wonders following. I believe we've never had a circumstance like we face in this nation right now where people are more open to the gospel. You say, but people aren't, let me tell you. All it takes is God breaking in to a scientific worldview that rocks people to the very foundation of their belief system that says there is no supernatural and God shows up and people are ready.
We get to be part of that. I want to ask you, if you've, for some reason, somehow felt sidelined, felt like that that wasn't for you for some reason, I believe the Holy Spirit just wants to set you free from that this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can we stand together? You know, we always say this at the end because uh, we think we want you to think it's more spiritual to stand, but the reality is that some of you are going to actually nod off if I left you sitting there with your eyes closed for too long. No, I'm kidding. If you're here this morning and you've actually never experienced the touch from God, He wants to touch you today, He wants to show you that He's real. If you're here this morning and you've never met Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. Everything begins with meeting him. I'm gonna ask you all, just give me a couple more minutes. Bow your head, don't look around. If you're here this morning and you've not met Jesus and you would like to, would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Anyone else? A season, a time. If you're here and you've never actually experienced a touch from God, either an anointing or a a touch where you just know that God's real, and you would like to, would you raise your hand? Holy Spirit, would you just pour the love of God into every single person? Thank you for setting free. Thank you for your purpose and plan, and thank you that we get to be a part of it. Lord, we just stand amazed that we get to be part of what you're doing. That we can know you. Fill us with your goodness and your grace as we go and give us opportunities to share the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need some prayer for healing, there'll be some folks who want to pray for you. Uh, Otherwise, there's some coffee and tea. And uh, the young man here, let me pray with you. Tim, just turn around and grab this guy. Rest of you, if you've got, pray for one another, or if you need some prayer for healing, come to the front. There'll be some people who'd love to pray for you. Amen.